Chapter 29, Kyle. Day 15. Pole, if you met a clone of yourself who had all of your memories, and was exactly like you in every way, what would you do? 1. Fuck them X. 2. Fight them X. 3. Both XX. 4. Other, comment below, XX. Meow meow, okay I know I made this an anonymous poll but I changed my mind. Everyone explain yourselves. Laxrat, no. Meow meow, okay so you were definitely the fuck option, then. Thanks for confirming. Techmaster, actually, that was me. Sparklebomb? Techmaster, I've never been with a guy before. It'd be educational. Plus, I know myself better than anyone. It'd basically just be advanced masturbation, which is already scientifically proven to have physical and mental health benefits, smiley face. Techmaster, plus I think I'm pretty cute. Meow meow, respect. Meow meow, for obvious reasons I chose, both. Sparklebomb, what do you mean, obvious? Meow meow, BC am horny but also mad. Sparklebomb, okay yeah that's pretty obvious. Laxrat, but would you have sex first? Or fight first? Meow meow, say fuck you coward. Meow meow, and ob we'd fight and then fuck. The fighting would be foreplay. Sparklebomb, you're all freaks. I put up a fight. Like a normal person. Meow meow, be sure that's just a product of you are abysmally low self-esteem but pop off IG. Sparklebomb, never mind. I want to fight your clone, and then you. Meow meow, any plans for after? Winky face. Laxrat, meow meow shut up. Numbers, wrong hordak, what did you guys pick? Meow meow, don't be jealous Laxrat. You're definitely getting your turn. Wrong Hordak, I have already encountered several thousands of my clones. We neither fought each other nor engaged in sexual intercourse. We were mutual servants of Prime. Who was, himself, a clone? Smiley face. Sparklebomb, wrong Hordak what the actual fuck does that mean? Sparklebomb, wrong Hordak. 05S15P2020P, assuming I were to encounter a clone of myself, it is highly unlikely that they would retain my exact memories and personality. In the event that this did occur, our main priorities would be to increase our mutual understanding of each other. From a scientific perspective. Meow meow, that definitely sounds like fucking to me, but it. Meow meow, and since Hordak obviously didn't vote, Laxrat is team fightfuck. Laxrat, why are you bullying me when you literally picked the same thing? Meow meow, BC am a freak. It's practically an expectation for me. But you? This has some very fascinating implications. Laxrat, that's so? Meow meow, if you were just selecting what you believe to be the lesser of two evils, you would have picked either slash or. You also could have picked the other option I so kindly provided and had an easy out. But no, you picked fightfuck. And that means this is more than just a hypothetical rock and a hard place question for you. You carefully considered both possibilities, and you liked them. 
you actively chose both of them. Ergo, you are a freak. It's been scientifically confirmed. Laxrat, maybe I am. Laxrat, what are you going to do about it? Techmaster, surprised face. Techmaster, meow meow you still there? 05S15P2020P, meow meow has been noticeably quieter in group since reading Laxrat's response. Laxrat, smiley face. Sparklebomb, Jesus Christ people get a room. Okay. So things, escalated, a bit. We definitely knew that was coming, right? Like, nobody reading this journal would have ever gotten to the end of that last entry and been like, yep. She's definitely going to spend the next 20 days being super normal about this. But I would like to point out that it's been six days since my last incident. Which is almost a week. And I think that's worth celebrating. Plus, we didn't really do anything. It was complicated. Okay. I'll shut up and right now. Let's start with the part of this entry that isn't shamelessly horny. Things had been a lot better around here since the Great Swift Wind debacle, which, if Glimmer's word is anything to go off of, we are now officially calling Bucketgate. You wouldn't think something like that would have had any potential whatsoever to inspire bonding, but you'd be wrong. Katra and Hordak hadn't fought once since it happened, and we all seemed to have developed a greater sense of respect for each other in the aftermath. Hordak eventually opened up more about some of the things behind his flashbacks, and everything else. Apparently he hadn't enjoyed Vietnam as much as Katra had previously assumed. Sure, he was a bit of a war hawk. But he was also just a kid when he was shipped over, and had seen some pretty awful stuff, the incident with the mines being among the worst. He wouldn't tell us too many specifics, but I know he lost someone. And I think, for whatever reason, Hordak blamed himself. Near the end of his tour he developed a pretty severe back injury on the front lines, and wound up getting discharged permanently from active duty. A lot of his random absences during the group had been the result of a really bad pain flare-up, or an appointment with his physical therapist from the outside. After the war, he'd tried to make a respectable civilian career for himself at HU. But the trauma he'd experienced on the front lines, combined with the pills he'd been introduced to in the aftermath of his accident, gradually took over his life. Eventually, after decades of functional addiction, he overdosed, at work. He was sent to the hospital, jobless and alone, before winding up at 2Dub to live out the final days of his employee-funded health insurance. Just like me, he had zero clue what he was going to do when he got out of here. And just like me, he and Horde University were no longer on friendly terms, he was going to have to figure out a whole new life for himself, now. Maybe this is insensitive, but from the way he described it, I couldn't help but feel like that overdose was the best thing that could have possibly happened to him. He'd spent the last 30 years of his life lonely and in pain, slogging through the days at a job he despised, just so he could afford enough Percocet to last him the remainder of the week. It sounded like a nightmare. Honestly, it sounded alarmingly close to the life I could have had, if I'd kept my nose to the grindstone the way I'd planned. But with two dubs help, he'd recently managed to find a new, non-addictive medication that had really helped a lot with his pain. And he seemed committed to opening up at this point, particularly with Entrapta, 
but with others as well. So maybe now, we could both find peace. I got to learn a lot more about her these past few days as well. I guess she'd gone into total sensory overload after the table was flipped, it opened up a few really helpful conversations in the group about auditory triggers and neurodivergence. I found myself really relating to a lot of what Entrapta was saying. Actually, I think I might have related a bit too much to what she was saying. She talked a lot about how hard it is for her to regulate her sensory input. How she'd get super overstimulated in some situations, and completely understimulated in others. And how she feels this obsessive need to plan out all her social interactions, so she doesn't say or do the wrong thing. And how hard it is for her to focus sometimes, because she'll get so fixated on something that she'll block out everything else around her and get really intense tunnel vision, and before she knows it it's 3 a.m. and she's been googling ER horror stories for 5 hours instead of working on her symposium presentation that she really needs to finish. Oh wait. My bad. That's me. I'm not saying me and Entrapta are exactly alike. Or that I'm, like, trying to steal her diagnoses or anything. I honestly know nothing about autism or ADHD or any of the other types of neurodivergence I've heard about these last few weeks. I just think it's interesting. And maybe, possibly, worth exploring down the line. Later. Not now. Anyways. My point is that, lingering trauma aside, Bucket Gate was sort of a net positive for us as a house. We started hanging out a lot more as a group, instead of relegating ourselves to our standard cliques. It was nice. The older folks definitely had their idiosyncrasies, but I was growing to appreciate them a lot more as we talked. Besides, it's not like I didn't have plenty of my own. So who was I to judge? Everything was good. I was making progress, and getting to know people on a whole new level. I'd been doing a lot better in groups, even mindfulness groups, believe it or not, and almost always came out of them with a new insight about my recovery. And most importantly, I was feeling better. I could see it when I looked in the mirror. My color looked better. My cheeks had filled out a bit. Even my eye bags were smaller, and I'd been pretty convinced those were permanent at this point. And I wasn't the only one making strides. Katra, to everyone's delight, but especially mine, had been doing really well lately, too. It started off small. Mara would ask her a question, and she would actually respond to it, usually in a few words or less, but still without jokes. You could always feel the shock in the room when it happened, but Mara never made a big deal about things. She just thanked Katra for her share, and moved on to the next. But I guess those thank yous must have started adding up, because Katra didn't stop there. She started touching on big things too. Most of it was stuff she'd already told me but I could tell by the shock on everyone's faces that it was new to them. Everyone was kind, though. And we didn't talk about it much, but I knew saying some of this stuff out loud made her feel better. She seems a lot lighter these days. We never touched on the elephant in the room, though. Not in a group, and not in private. Whatever gave her that scar, probably whatever kept her up at night, was still too much to talk about, and I had no intention of prying. I just tried to be there with a soothing word or touch whenever I had to wake her up, and hoped that would be enough. 
but on the whole, she seemed to be doing a lot better. She smiled a lot more. And laughed. Usually at me. She was really affectionate, too. Very, touchy. Okay. We can talk about the horny part now. True to her word, was this my idea? What an idiot, she hadn't kissed me again since Bucketgate. From the moment we stumbled back into our room that night, we'd kept things strictly crime-free. No more balconies, no more bed-sharing. That I knew of. Nothing illicit at all. Unfortunately, that was beginning to drive me absolutely insane. I thought I'd been struggling around Catra before, but lately, it was like that dial had been cranked to eleven. Everything about her was driving me up the wall. The way she moved, unhurried and suave, like she owned every room she entered. The way she'd quirk her eyebrows when she teased me in Spanish, and I was getting very easy to tease, that much was certain. Her hips, her jawline, her voice, it was all too much. I felt like some kind of wild animal around her, and not entirely in a good way. And that was before the touching. Because, yes, Catra was warming up to everyone, and as it turned out, touching was pretty high up on her list of love languages. It was mostly with me, and mostly just the bare minimum that she could get away with, but it deviated to other clients just enough to make me feel like an absolute lunatic. A sympathetic shoulder pat for Bo was nothing. I knew she didn't really like boys. But that play flirting thing she'd do with Glimmer to piss her off? Nope. Absolutely not. One time she jokingly must up Glimmer's hair during Uno, and I swear, I almost gave the letter a plus four purely out of spite. Which was very off-brand for me. I am a fair and strategic Uno player. But when Catra was touching me, fiddling with my hair, brushing a little too close past me in the hallways, pressing her leg against mine beneath the table, God, that was almost worse. Because that made me want to slam her against. The nearest wall and kiss her breathless, and I had a feeling our collective rehab stint would be over pretty quickly after that. So I had to just sit there, and, imagine it. The things I was going to do to her the moment we were out of here, things I'd never done with anyone before, and probably didn't even know how to do, but that still made my body thrum with desire regardless. It didn't help that I almost never had time alone in the room. I was used to taking care of things, myself, 21 years of celibacy had made me pretty skilled in that particular department. But things were complicated slightly by the fact that I was in rehab, and rooming with a girl who one, I was absolutely not allowed to sleep with, and two, seemed genuinely allergic to leaving her room. Even if she hadn't been, I didn't necessarily want to spend time away from Katra anyways. What was I going to do, ask her to go away for exactly five minutes? and then never leave my side again afterwards. That might have been a tad suspicious. The walls were too thin to justify doing anything in the bathroom, and I was not going to try and get away with anything after we'd turned out the lights. So I suffered. And after fifteen days of involuntary chastity, not to mention the constant stress of Catra's affections, eroding my inhibitions, things were starting to get a little out of control. I know now that it wasn't a matter of, if, I was going to do something stupid. It was, when. The first hurdle came around midday. In a light blue polo. 
It had been as normal a day as any. We'd peed in cups, talked about our deepest darkest fears, made vision boards out of old National Geographic catalogs. You know. Normal treatment stuff. Now, it was lunch. We were all gathered around the table and listening while Rong Hordak sang the most traumatizing rendition of Baby Got Back I've ever heard in my life. Again, normal treatment stuff. In spite of this, the morale was pretty high. Raz had made pigs in a blanket, it was a new recipe for the house, and we were really digging in. Even Entrapta seemed to be having an easier time finishing her portion today, she tended to do better when the food was tiny. The vibes were good, by our standards. Everything was fine. It was right around then that I started hallucinating. That's what I assumed was happening, at least. Standing directly in the archway, looking over the scene in front of him with obvious confusion, was the snack bar kid from the grotto. He was even wearing his uniform, the same blue polo and khaki pants he'd been wearing ten days ago, when he'd handed me the beer that nearly ended my rehab stint for good. So as you could imagine, I figured I must have been seeing things. Surely, this was just some weird figment of my imagination, here to torment me for my sins. You really start to make peace with that kind of thing when you spend two weeks surrounded by it. I just wasn't sure why he was here now, of all times. I decided to ask. Snack bar boy? I said curiously. Voodoo girl, he replied. Kyle? Perfuma asked incredulously. Everyone turned to look at the boy. Who, apparently, was not a figment of my imagination after all. He looked nervous. Hey, I'm looking for someone named, uh, Perfuma? For intake? Perfuma blinked. Of course. That's me, we talked on the phone. It's just, she added, cocking her head, I could have sworn you were supposed to be here on Monday. How did you get in here? Entrapta asked helpfully. Kyle fidgeted a little. I kept knocking, but no one answered. And, uh, is today not Monday? It is not. Perfuma replied. Oh. There was an awkward silence. Well, no worries. Perfuma eventually said, rising from her seat as she attempted to regain composure. I'm sure we can sort this out. I'll take you to see Scorpia upstairs. Do you have any bags? With that, Kyle was ushered through the archway and out of sight. The silence barely lasted a moment. I'm calling today on the fridge game. So am I. I'm calling immediately after intake. The group erupted into chatter as they placed their bets. But Katra and I were silent as we locked eyes across the table. We had other issues to worry about. Wrong Hordak. Switch with Adora. We need to work on our fantasy lacrosse lineup. Rong Hordak smiled and relinquished his seat without a word. Ignoring the stares of my tablemates, I awkwardly inched my way around the table and into the empty chair at Katra's side. I furrowed my brow. Is, is that a thing? We need to do damage control, Katra muttered, ignoring me. The conversation around us had returned to a dull murmur. He wouldn't be dumb enough to tell someone would he? My heart was racing, 
both from the circumstances and, if I was being honest, the insistent way she'd called me to her side. This is a rehab. Obviously, drinking wouldn't be allowed. Look, Adora, I know we've only known this kid for about 10 seconds now, but in that time alone, he has referred to you by an alcohol-based nickname and demonstrated a complete lack of basic situational awareness. Her breath tickled my ear, I was having a hard time focusing. I don't think we should take any chances with him. My eyes drifted unconsciously to her outfit, she'd really gone all out today. Short shorts, a sports bra layered with a dark denim vest, and fishnets. I had no idea what had inspired her to pull out all the stops, but whatever her reasoning, I was grateful for it. Okay, but like, what are the chances of him describing, in detail, what we did? I replied. There's about a million ways to explain why I was buying alcohol from him at some point in the past. Including the possibility that he mixed me up with someone else. Do you really want to leave that to fate? Ketra scoffed. Anyways, you kind of blew that last excuse when you called him snack bar boy ten seconds ago. I groaned. Shit. I'm sorry. I thought he was hallucinating. What? I blinked. Uh, never mind. What are we going to do? Katra screwed her eyebrows together in thought. I really shouldn't have been focusing on how intense it made her eyes look, but I was. Finally, she snapped her fingers. I've got it. You volunteer to do the welcome tour, and while you two are alone together, you just casually threaten him into silence, or whatever. Easy peasy. Why would I, I'm not going to threaten him into silence, Katra, I sputtered. And anyways, why don't you do the tour? You've been here longer. You were the one who bought from him. It'll have more weight coming from you, she said. Plus, you've just proven my point. Look at me, I'm already trying to scare the kid off. I'd probably just give him a panic attack. You're the obvious good cop of this duo. I scowled. That is a terrible argument. Do you have a better one? Uh, yeah. How about you do it because you owe me for buying it for you in the first place? Katra actually whined in my ear. It was not attractive. Not at all. I don't want to talk to Kyle for ten minutes. I don't want to talk to anyone for that long. What if he asks to be my friend, or something? I rolled my eyes. After you threaten him into silence? I kind of doubt you'll need to worry about that. I could feel her weakening. Emboldened, I added, I'll owe you one. I thought this was me paying you back. I mean, yeah. But I bought myself a drink too, and you kinda saved me from getting kicked out, so it was more of a mutual thing anyways. This, you do this, and I'll let you call in a favor. No questions asked. Her eyebrows shot up. I flushed a little. No questions asked. You really think that's a good idea, after everything you've learned about me this past month? It was a risky subject for the dinner table, but I couldn't help it. I leaned into it. Always underestimating me, I murmured. You're not the only one with a past, Katra. Right, she drawled. 
I'm sure your body count is a mile long. You already know my body count, stupid. It's zero. I meant murder, Adora. Oh. She smirked. Why? What kind of favors were you thinking of? My pulse quickened immediately. She was probably just joking, but as it turned out, I had been thinking of a lot of things. I practically had an alphabetized list, at this point. But sensing an opportunity to throw her off balance, I murmured, sorry. You'll need to finish the tour to unlock that information. She paused, regarding me out of the corner of her eye. I didn't back down. Fair enough, she said, in a low voice that made me thrilled. I hope you know what you're getting into, princess. I plan on collecting. The crazed sex demon living in my body took control of my mouth of its own accord. I look forward to it. That was right around the time I noticed Perfuma standing in the archway. We had been leaning towards each other, whispering under our breath in a clear attempt at secrecy, or, at this point, flirting. Our group mates had been content to let us talk, if only to focus on the important matter of placing fridge game bets, but Perfuma certainly wasn't. Our espionage was off to a rough start. She raised an eyebrow, a look of unmasked suspicion on her face. I only had a few seconds to play it off, how could I possibly make this look natural? The answer came to me unbidden. We're teaming up on the fridge game. Hedging our bets. The outcry at the table was immediate. What? That's not fair. I call Hordak's team. I'd started something greater than myself. Immediately, the rest of the group launched into a furious debate on the logistics of team betting. I didn't see what difference it made, given the fact that none of us were actually betting any money, but I didn't question it. Glimmer wasn't kidding when she said people staked their pride on this. In either case, I'd successfully dodged the heat. Perfuma's expression had relaxed, now, she was rolling her eyes fondly at the group. Let's focus on making Kyle's first day a welcoming one before we place elaborate bets on his short-term recall skills, Perfuma said. Everyone nodded innocently, but I knew it was just a ruse. Events had already been set in motion. As Perfuma returned to her seat and I scooted, reluctantly, away from Katra, I allowed myself a small sigh of relief. We were out of the woods for now. As long as Kyle didn't somehow manage to spill our secrets in his own intake interview, we'd be okay. I really hoped our first impressions of him were wrong. Kyle was in there for quite a while. Glimmer assured me it was normal, there were tons of questions on the intake application, after all. By her estimate, I'd been in there a little over an hour myself. That didn't stop me from agonizing over every minute of it. We had some sort of somatic experiencing group after lunch, we all sat on the living room couch while Perfuma directed us from the side of the room. But in spite of her gentle prompts, I remained stubbornly detached from my body the entire time, my eyes glazing over as I ran through worst-case scenarios. With all the questions they were asking him, what are the odds he wouldn't mention knowing me and Katra from earlier? And from there, things could go downhill pretty quick. It was entirely possible that Kyle was in there symbolically signing my eviction letter right now. Katra must have noticed I was out of it. 
Around midway through the group, I felt her pinky pressing into the side of mine, a clear gesture of comfort that made me exhale with relief. After double-checking to make sure Perfuma couldn't see, I crossed mine over hers and linked them together. We'd been doing that a lot more, lately, exchanging gentle touches when one or both of us was dysregulated. I'd see Katra get triggered by one of Entrapta's less-than-conscientious comments at dinner, and I'd let my legs fall against hers under the table. Once, during a particularly tough group when everyone was in a bad mood, and Mara scolded us all for arriving, unprepared for session, Katra had brushed her fingers across my upper back on the way out the door. The ache these gestures left in me was torturous, but I was careful to never push things too far. I always left enough room for doubt. For plausible deniability. I caught myself yearning, as I often did these days, to be anywhere other than here. If this house was just an ordinary house, one where I was allowed to buy myself a beer, or even open the fridge to store it in, I wouldn't hesitate. I'd lean over right now and kiss her, hard. Instead, I settled for a pinky, and kept the rest buried. What choice did I have? Hi. Somehow, Kyle had managed to materialize on the perimeter of the living room without any of us noticing. He was viewing us head-on, at a perfect angle to see our pinkies. Almost simultaneously, me and Katra whipped our hands back to our laps, as if we'd been electrocuted. His eyebrows furrowed almost imperceptibly. This was getting ridiculous. Kyle. Go ahead and have a seat. Perfuma said cheerfully. We were just discussing the mind-body connection, and fine-tuning our proprioceptive awareness. Were we? I guess I'd missed the part where Perfuma explained what those things were. Whatever awareness I should have been cultivating in the past hour, I'd clearly missed the mark. Kyle glanced around nervously for a minute, then took a seat on the farthest available corner of the couch. Perfuma picked up where she'd left off, but I found my attention drifting to the boy behind me. In just a few minutes, Katra was going to have to try and convince this relative stranger to keep secrets on our behalf. My stomach clenched with embarrassment just thinking about it. What if we were already too late? After a thoroughly unsomatic experiencing group, Perfuma concluded the session with a brief checkout. I said that I was feeling spacey, which was as much truth as I was willing to offer at that moment. Katra, interestingly enough, was feeling activated. Whatever that meant. Once we'd made our way around the circle and wrapped up the group, everyone set their sights immediately on Kyle. Katra and I did the same. Hey, Kyle. I'm Bo. It's really nice to meet you, said Bo. He looked just as eager and open as he had when I arrived, the sight of it gave me a pang of nostalgia. Looks like we're gonna be hallmates. Maybe it was just from overwhelm, but I could have sworn Kyle was blushing. Awesome. I mean, cool. That sounds good. Entrapta, to my surprise, was next. I couldn't help but notice she dropped the recorder this time around, it felt like progress. Hi. My name is Entrapta. I'm a client here. Kyle's expression was a little unusual as he accepted her handshake. I thought it might be because of her awkward cadence at first. But then he said, Entrapta, that name sounds super familiar to me. 
Do you work in the tech industry? To my surprise, Entrapta seemed to freeze. Nope, she said, in what she clearly thought was a casual tone of voice. I don't. Goodbye now. And with that, she relinquished her grip and returned to her spot on the couch next to Hordak. A few people stared at her as she went. Odd. After an awkward beat, Glimmer approached from behind Bo. I'm Glimmer. We had no idea we were getting a new client today. If you'd like, I can give you a tour of the place before Dash. I'll do it. Everyone, including Perfuma, turned towards Katra. She fidgeted a little. I mean, you always do it, Glimmer, she rushed. I can, uh, take over just this once. It'll be, fun. Glimmer regarded her with obvious suspicion, but Perfuma seemed none the wiser. She grinned. Way to take initiative, Katra. I admire and appreciate your eagerness to participate in our community. You're really stepping into your leadership potential, these days. I bit back a laugh. Katra looked mortified. Yeah, well, what can I say? Guess the therapy's working. Blushing furiously now, she gave Kyle a terse nod. Come on. I'll show you around. Kyle looked a little intimidated by the idea of following Katra around the house for several minutes. Honestly, I would have been too, with the clothes and the tattoos, she was in full punk mode right now, and wearing it insanely well. But he nodded anyway. Okay. I, uh, look forward to meeting the rest of you, he said. After a quick but pointed glance in my direction, Katra led Kyle down the hallways. This is the bathroom where strangers watch you pee. What? They passed out of sight. I exhaled. Perfuma regarded me curiously. I've been meaning to ask, but do you two know each other? Perfuma said. Those names you two called each other were pretty, specific. My heart gave a nervous trill. Oh, right. That was, uh, this silly thing. We met him at the grotto on an outing, and, actually, Katra knows more about it. You should ask her. Before Perfuma could ask any more questions, I took a few quick steps backwards. I'ma use the restroom before the group. Be right back. Ignoring the confused look on her face, I headed for the bathroom and shut the door quickly behind me. It wasn't until I'd slid the lock closed that I allowed myself to breathe. I really was a terrible actor. I was in there for long enough that I was genuinely worried Perfuma would start to question my health. But it did the trick, by the time I emerged, Perfuma had started up a conversation with Rong Hordak, and I could see Katra and Kyle heading back towards the house from the backyard. Entrapta noticed too. Is he alright? He looks very pale, even compared to his normal standard. I narrowed my eyes to see that, yes, Kyle was looking a bit worse for wear. Katra squinted in the sunlight beside him, I couldn't read her expression. Neither of them were talking. They finally reached the door. I tried to meet Katra's gaze as she walked inside, but she didn't seem to notice. Everything okay? Perfuma asked, a bit warily. She seemed to have noticed Kyle's condition as well. 
I need to lay down, he responded immediately. Kyle headed down the hallway without looking back. Perfuma trailed after him, glancing back at Katra with alarm. Soon, only Rong Hordak remained. He regarded us curiously from a distance, like he was watching a round of table tennis. Oh God. What happened? I asked Katra somberly. Clearly, she had threatened to kill his family or something, and he was in the other room telling Perfuma the whole thing. I should probably start packing now, I thought miserably. To my surprise, Katra burst out laughing. Nothing. The conversation went fine. I blinked. But Kyle. It wasn't me, she insisted. Honestly. You have no faith in my abilities whatsoever, do you? He looked like he was going to be sick. Katra laughed again. It wasn't the conversation that did it, she said, lowering her voice. I told him right at the beginning what the situation was. He agreed to keep quiet, though, to be honest, I think we're still gonna have to worry about accidental slip-ups from him. He seems like the type. So, what's wrong then? I asked. She grinned. Apparently, our friend Kyle is afraid of horses. Like, deathly afraid. Didn't even want to get within 30 feet of the barn. I gaped at her. Why would he choose to come here? Katra shrugged, still grinning. Zero clue. This place is probably close to home if he's working at the grotto, but still. You'd think he'd have read the brochure beforehand. I finally allowed myself a nervous laugh. Maybe things weren't as bad as I'd assumed. For us, at least. Horses? I have no idea. How, what happened to him? What horse hurt him? Dunno. It seemed pretty serious, though. I almost had to carry him inside. There was a moment of silence. Then we both burst out laughing. I'm sorry, I wheezed. This is terrible, but like, can you imagine if he'd been here last week? He'd be in a coma, Katra agreed. We'd have to wheel him out on a stretcher. I giggled. I covered my mouth with my hand. God, we need to stop laughing. Yep, she said, showing zero visible remorse whatsoever. We're monsters. It's like we're kink-shaming him. Only worse. Trauma-shaming, Katra replied soberly, earning another laugh from me. Perfuma returned from wherever she deposited Kyle, we halted our giggling immediately. She looked a bit frazzled. Sorry about that, everyone. Everything's under control. Kyle just needs some time to, acclimate. I'm sure he'll be rejoining us shortly. We nodded with all the gravity we could muster. I felt a laugh struggling to escape my chest. Perfuma turned to Katra. So, Adora was telling me you've all met before? Why exactly did he call Adora, voodoo girl? The laugh died. I turned to Katra, trying my best to apologize with my eyes alone. Turns out, I didn't need to worry, Katra hardly spared me a glance before she answered, cool and collected as ever. Ugh, we weren't talking about voodoo. It's Santeria. 
there's a difference. She rolled her eyes in my direction, as if we'd had this conversation before. I was telling Adora about it, and he was asking questions. Though clearly, not enough. I shot Catra a look, not bothering to hide my surprise. Santa what? Perfuma immediately perked up. I didn't realize you were familiar with La Regla de Oca, Catra. Is your family Cuban? My abuela on my mother's side is, yeah. I don't really practice, but she told me a lot about it. Perfuma beamed. So interesting. Do you happen to know who her orisa was? I expected Catra to be thrown by that, I certainly was, but she barely even flinched. Yewa, I think. Whichever one emphasizes chastity. Kind of ironic, seeing that she had nine kids and swore like a sailor. I tried not to question it. The Orises work in mysterious ways, sometimes. Maybe there was more to your abuela than you knew. It literally felt like there was some sort of computer glitch going on in my brain. Fortunately, Perfuma happened to glance at the clock at that moment. She clapped her hands together. Oh my. I've kept you too long now. Drama therapy is starting in the group room. I need to finish up some paperwork in the office, but I'll see you both at dinner. With that, she headed down the hallway and out of sight. I turned towards Katra. She had an infuriatingly smug smile on her face. Where the hell did that come from? I whispered frantically. I improvised. You're welcome. She started sauntering down the hall, her face a mask of careful nonchalance. I had to consciously remind myself to keep my jaw shut as she strutted past me in that ridiculously hot outfit. How much of that was even true? I asked incredulously. She paused and glanced over her shoulder. The corners of her mouth were pointing up. I'm an orphan, Adora. I don't have an abuela. Then she turned and walked away. Slowly, and feeling more absurdly, inappropriately turned on than I'd ever been in my life, I followed. Chapter 30, Parla Welcome, one and all, to drama therapy. I never would have imagined that a single sentence could hold so much inflection until I heard it come out of the therapist's mouth. It was as if I'd received express entry to the theatrical event of the millennium. I couldn't help but feel a little excited, though I knew those standards were unlikely to be met. The therapist did a slight curtsy. For those of you who don't know, the name's DT. They slash them pronouns, please and thank you. They put a hand to their heart. I will be your humble guide into the wondrous and deliciously complex world of the stage. It occurred to me, at that moment, that DT's method seemed to lean a bit stronger into the, the drama side of this treatment than the therapy side. The green sequined pantsuit with matching eyeliner was probably somewhat to blame for that assumption. But DT struck me as the type of person who could add flair to a pair of cargo shorts, if they tried hard enough. They radiated vivacity from every pore. Just then, Kyle walked into the room. He seemed to have recovered from his mental health episode for the most part, but he still looked a little nervous. I was reminded that this was his first ever group at 2-dub, and he was probably here for as serious a reason as the rest of us. 
I hoped the facilitator didn't go too hard on him. If you'd had class with me before, you know how this goes. If not, prepare for the experience of a lifetime. Get ready to bring your A-game, folks. We're going deep tonight. Everyone looked deadly serious, especially Kyle, who still seemed to be at risk of toppling over. Then I risked a glance at Katra, and immediately wished I hadn't. She was biting her lips so hard, I feared it might bleed. I chomped down on the sides of my own mouth as quickly as I could, but it was too late, I snorted. Loudly. Katra grabbed her mouth and winced, like she was in physical pain from holding back laughter, but still managed to remain silent. I was left alone to face DT's stony look of displeasure. After a beat, they sighed and rolled their eyes. As deep as you're capable of, at least. Before I could figure out how to interpret that statement, DT had moved on to logistics. Grab a partner. As always in my groups, physical contact is optional and consent is mandatory. But if you're willing to get a little experimental, DT said, their voice taking on an unmistakably suggestive lilt, make sure to pair up with someone you're comfortable touching for a while. Anyways, go. Be free. Without hesitation, I turned towards Katra, so quickly that I hadn't noticed she'd already closed the distance. We immediately bonked heads. Shit dash. Ow. Fuck, my bad. Sorry dash. We both clutched at our foreheads, alternating between sheepish apologies and exclamations of pain. Through my squint, I saw DT watching with barely concealed amusement. Looks like we're off to an explosive start already, they drawled, eyes flicking back and forth between the both of us. I couldn't read their thoughts, but I assumed I wouldn't like them if I could. As a matter of fact, you two have already gotten a head start on our warm-up exercise. Huh. DT paused for a moment, clearly reveling in our confusion. Then, they continued on. We're going to start with a little game called Human Instrument just a quick icebreaker to get the blood flowing. They smiled mischievously. I'll explain as we go. For now pick one partner who wants to be the player, and one who wants to be, played. Don't think too hard about it. Everyone gets played eventually. With that concerning statement, they swept their arm out to dismiss us, and we were left to negotiate. I swallowed as Katra turned towards me. Her eyes betrayed the same confusion I was feeling. Do you, uh, have any idea what this is? She shook her head. Never done something like this before. Usually we just do stupid roleplay exercises where we pretend to be each other's toxic moms, or whatever. I ran a hand through my hair. At least that makes sense. What the hell is a human instrument? I get the feeling we're about to find out. She looked me up and down, and suddenly, there was an oddly smug look forming on her face. So, princess? Waddle it be? Player, or played? I narrowed my eyes, even as my cheeks warmed. You gonna use my answer to judge me by some weird metric I'm not aware of? I have no idea what you're talking about, Adora, she purred. What kind of implications could I possibly draw from a conversation about playing someone's body like a musical instrument? 
It's not a sex thing. I'm going to pick one at random, and it is not going to be at all related to my sexual preferences whatsoever. Katra raised her hands in the air defensively. Hey, I never said anything about that. That was all you. No judgment here. She smirked. Feel free to play me however you want. I crossed my arms. So you want to get played? She wiggled her eyebrows like an idiot. You heard what they said. We're all getting played eventually. Just then, DT clapped their hands to get our attention. I groaned. Just be my instrument and shut up. Katra's eyes darkened. My heart gave a small flutter. The corner of her lip quirked upwards as she turned to face the rest of the group. Yes, M.M., she said, low and quiet. I nearly stumbled in place. The object of the game is simple. Instruments, you are going to stand there and make some sort of consistent droning sound. Think, ah, or, oh, or, whatever other weird noise you want to do, I guess. They shrugged. Just make it something you can keep up long term. Already I could feel my heart racing with nerves. We had to make sounds. Okay, maybe I should have seen that coming, but still, it seemed kind of embarrassing. I was suddenly grateful I'd selected Katra to go first. At least I could just parrot whatever she did. Players, you're in charge of changing that sound somehow. You'll do that by moving their bodies to change the tone. Suddenly, their eyes widened, they clapped their hands together. Silly me. I forgot to set agreements. Partners, both of you, if you have any ways that you don't want to be touched, clarify that now. They rolled their eyes. Besides any touches that are overtly violent or sexual. Which, I mean it, are expressly prohibited. I really can't afford another lawsuit. The implications of that statement seemed a bit disturbing, but they didn't give us time to linger on them. Go on. Chop chop. Nervously, I turned towards Katra. I'm, down for whatever, I said. You? I'd actually prefer a little sexuality and violence, if you don't mind, Katra offered, completely deadpan. Get real freaky with it. Bare minimum, I want my fingers broken. You're the weirdest person I've ever met in my life. Katra smiled. I love you too. My heart leapt to my throat. Maybe it was just my imagination, but she seemed to realize that she'd crossed some sort of invisible line. She dropped the smile and cleared her throat, averting her gaze. I decided to save her. Seriously, though. I'm guessing no hair. Her brow furrowed at that. She didn't respond right away. It made me kind of nervous. Then, she surprised me. You can. Just no pulling or anything. She smiled. Though I don't think running your fingers through my hair is going to produce the kind of changes in me that you're looking for. My cheeks darkened. But I still responded faster than I could have imagined. What do you think I'm looking for, Katra? Her brows shot up right as DT spoke. Great. Now that you've all communicated boundaries, we can have some fun. They gestured animatedly as they spoke. Instruments, as I said, you will be making a sound. 
players will need to change that sound, somehow. Outside of what's been forbidden by myself or your partner, you can go ahead and manipulate their bodies to change the tone. Move their arms up and down, squish their cheeks, tilt their head from side to side. That sort of thing. For some reason, DT's eyes seemed to be focusing on me and Katra throughout their speech. I didn't want to consider why. Once the first round is done, we'll talk more about what the exercise is supposed to mean. But for now, they said, gesturing dramatically once again, play away. Give us a performance to remember. With that, it was time to begin. No one was eager to break the ice. Even if we weren't a bunch of mental patients with low self-esteem, making weird noises and touching each other was a pretty intimate endeavor. But after a few seconds, Bo broke the silence with a loud, ah. The rest of us chuckled, then eventually followed suit. Katra settled on a low humming noise. She closed her eyes as she did it, I wasn't sure why. Maybe the vulnerability of it all was making her anxious. It certainly was for me. No big deal. Just, touch Katra. Enough to make her voice change. Nothing weird about that at all. I've got this. I started simple, a tug on her right arm. She submitted to the force, allowing her body to lean sideways. Her voice pitched slightly downwards. Okay, this was actually kind of fun. Around me, my groupmates were getting into the exercise with a similar level of enthusiasm. Glimmer was tilting Bo's head up and down while he tried his hardest not to laugh. Entrapta was giving Hordak a rather aggressive cheek massage, which he did not seem particularly keen on. The only person who wasn't going full speed ahead was Kyle, he had been paired by default with Wrong Hordak, and was staring at him like he was afraid he might bite. Frankly, it didn't seem like an irrational concern to me. I lifted both of Katra's arms. Let them drop to her sides. I was rewarded with a slight hitch as the momentum pushed the air out of her lungs. I shook her shoulders gently and was rewarded with a consistent undulating tone. It made me giggle. Katra cracked one eye open and smiled, pausing her hum. Are you enjoying yourself there? A little. Why were you expecting me to do this with a straight face? She scoffed, closing her eyes again. You've never had a straight face in your life. Ha, huh, I said, even as my heart squeezed in my chest. Funny. We'd never really talked about that. Katra started humming again. I surveyed her, weighing my options. I couldn't help but be drawn to the sight of her throat. I could see it vibrating slightly, shifting with every minor fluctuation in pitch. My mind traveled involuntarily to the week before, when I'd gotten to feel it pressed beneath my lips. Slowly, my blood pulsing, I pressed a gentle finger to the top of her voice box. She didn't stop humming, but her eyes sprung open. The pitch shifted, almost imperceptibly, downwards. She was watching me intensely. I felt nervous, even though I sensed, somehow, that the intensity one was feeling was positive. Okay? I asked, my voice barely above a whisper. She didn't stop humming, she just lifted her finger to mine, and pushed down just a little bit harder. The pitch adjusted downward. I swallowed. Then she smiled, 
a bit sheepish, and the tension broke. I took my finger off of her throat, still giddy with adrenaline. I was having trouble meeting your gaze. Can't believe we got through that without you making some dumb, choke me joke, I said, a bit babbly. I heard Katra give a low chuckle in response. If you think that's what choking is, she replied, I have a lot to teach you. She was definitely doing this on purpose. Our eyes met again. I licked my lips unconsciously. You gonna sing for me, or what? I asked. I was feeling bolder now. Maybe Katra sensed that, something shifted in her eyes. She began to hum, her gaze unbroken. DT's warning still rang in my ears. I would never do anything to make Katra uncomfortable, but a part of me wanted to follow this new energy, and see where it went. Maybe there was a way to do that without pushing too far. I raised my eyebrows again, as if to ask her permission to proceed. She just gave me another one of those maddening little half-smiles. Her eyes were still on mine. I pushed upwards next, with the ball of my thumb, I couldn't seem to leave her throat. This time, her pitch shifted higher. I felt the current of vibrations pass through my palm and into my forearm. I looked to see if DT was watching us. They were occupied with giving advice to Kyle and Rong Hordak. I left her throat. Then I moved my hand towards the underside of her jaw, pressed my thumb onto her chin and pushed down to gently part her lips. The hum died in her throat. For a moment, we just stood there. Her breathing was shallow, I wasn't breathing at all. My heart raced. Neither of us moved. Then DT's clap rang like a shot in both our ears. We startled to attention, our shared fever breaking. Excellent work, performers. That was really, something. They smirked. Carnegie Hall awaits. It was hard to focus on anything other than the way Catra was looking at me right now. In the meantime, players, reflect back on what you noticed while you were manipulating the instrument's tone. Were some movements easier than others? Were there any points of tension in their body? Let them know. Everyone started talking. I looked at Catra. She looked back. We both burst out laughing. Neither of us had to say anything. It was pure nervous hysteria. Points of tension. Sure. I could think of a few. DT gave us a curious side-eyed glance, but I was too far gone to care. My heart was racing, and not just with embarrassment. She knew. She had to. No way were we laughing about two totally separate things right now. Katra lifted a hand to wipe the tears from her eyes. So, Adora? What did you think of my body? I giggled stupidly. October 10th. It's, uh, in great shape. Top tier. She grinned. Yeah? Yup. Her lips were a bit parted. I still remembered what they tasted like. Good to know, she said finally. Any tension you'd like to comment on? I crossed my arms, biting my lip to keep from laughing. My skin felt warm. Nope. No idea what you're talking about. Really? I could have sworn I felt something. 
She glanced up at me coyly from beneath her eyelids. Maybe it was all of your tension throwing me off. You seem a bit pent up. I let out a hysterical cackle. Then, feeling reckless, I added, I'm a 21-year-old virgin in rehab, Katra. I'm always pent up. We both started laughing. My voice had gotten a little too loud at the end, I could feel a few pairs of eyes on us now. As quickly as we could, we suppressed our laughter and took a conscious step back from each other. I pretended to be incredibly interested in the wall opposite me as my giggles faded. What's a mental institution got to do with it, she teased, once the glances had shifted away. You're just as much of a virgin here as you were on the outside. A blush began to spread on my cheeks. I mean, are you really gonna make me say it? Katra's eyes glinted dangerously. I think I am. I swallowed thickly. Well, obviously, I, there are certain things I can't do here. I looked up at the ceiling. Or in a hospital. Things I haven't done in like, three weeks now. When I glanced down, Katra had a look of undisguised glee on her face. You dog. Katra. I shoved her, a bit roughly. I'm kidding, she said, lifting her hands up in a gesture of surrender. Obviously. That's just not what I thought you were going to say at all. What did you think I was going to say? She smiled. Something about my raw animal magnetism. Obviously. I laughed, a bit too hard. DT was looking at us with undisguised suspicion now. I made a conscious effort to get my breathing under control. What's being here got to do with that, anyways, she asked. It's not like you don't have plenty of opportunities. I rolled my eyes. Says the roommate who almost never leaves the room unless she's at gunpoint. True. But there's a way. There's always a way. I raised an eyebrow. Speaking from experience? She smirked. Duh. Why do you think I take 15-minute showers? I nearly choked on thin air. Katra smiled lazily, watching me recover with mild interest. I always, I thought it was your hair, I finally managed. Or that you had some sort of special hatred for the environment. The room seemed to have gotten about a dozen degrees warmer. We'd gone very off script in this group. Both are good guesses. But no. She smiled lazily. Just getting some self-care in. You should try it. I was getting properly flustered now. She was such an asshole. Well, I'm obviously not going to do it now. I wouldn't be able to think of anything except the fact that you knew what I was doing. There was something in Katra's eyes that made me feel like I had just jumped off a cliff, without even realizing it, and was only seconds away from hitting bottom. What's more, I had the strangest feeling she was coming with me. You sure that'd be a bad thing? She asked quietly. Holy shit. DT's clap shattered the moment once again. Excellent. Now switch roles, and do it all again. My heart was pounding frantically in my chest. After a brief moment of hesitation, I started humming, a bit lower than Katra had. I let my eyes fall shut. I may not have been sure why Katra did it, but my own reasoning was clear. 
this was getting way too intense to stay fully present in. If I had to look at her while she touched me, I might actually explode. She started simply, like I had. A few arm lifts. Shaking my body gently by the shoulders. With my eyes shut, I couldn't anticipate what she would do next, every touch felt like a spark. She put her hand on my jawbone to move my head from side to side, and it was like a full hit of electricity right to my brain. When she finished, I waited for her to take her hand away. She didn't. Slowly, torturously, she let her fingers trace down the bottom of my chin, tracing a gentle line all the way down to the center of my neck. I shivered involuntarily. The hum broke a little in my throat, but I kept it going, even as I noticed my breaths getting shallower with every second. Gently, she pressed on my voice box. The pitch went down, then up as she released. She let her fingers trail lower. To the top of my chest, right over my heart. Her palm went flat. Finally, I let the hum die. When I opened my eyes, she was closer than she'd been before. I glanced at DT. They weren't looking directly at us, but they could turn at any moment. I let my expression go completely neutral, trying to keep my composure. My heart was pounding like a drum, and she knew it, now. Energy coursed through my chest at the point of contact. But I didn't move. I waited. She was in control now. Fast, she murmured. A tremble passed through my body. Gradually, she began trailing her fingers back up my neck. Our eyes were locked. If she noticed that I wasn't humming anymore, she didn't seem to care. When her fingers reached my jawbone, she surprised me by tilting my head upwards suddenly, exposing my jugular. I gasped, softly enough that only she could hear. I could no longer see her face, but she was close enough for me to feel her breath on my neck. I see what you mean. Her voice sounded different now, fuller. It rang in my ears, definitely noticing some tension here. I didn't respond. My neck ached slightly from the strain, but I didn't dare move. My body trembled beneath her fingers. I wondered, half coherent, if she could see my pulse beating through the skin of my neck. Slowly, she let me down, until I was facing her again. The air was fully charged and alive. She swallowed, then lifted her thumb and pressed it beneath my chin, parting my lips the same way I'd parted hers. I could help you with that, you know, she murmured. Her eyes were fever bright. Yeah. I couldn't take much more of this. Something had to give. She was looking at my lips, sort of curiously, like she was trying to find an answer to a question there. Yeah. Shame we live here, I guess. Shame. Good thing we aren't rule breakers anymore. We aren't? Her eyes flicked up to mine. Thought you said you were retiring from your life of crime? Right. Forgot about that. She was so gorgeous. Was this even real? I was vaguely aware of DT clapping in the background. I didn't process what was happening until Katra stepped back, taking her hand off my chin. My thoughts were fuzzy, like I'd taken another downer cocktail. I had to physically shake my head to clear the noise. DT instructed us to give feedback, 
but I was barely listening. I could practically feel the current traveling between us, even with her standing behind my shoulder. My hands had started to tremble at some point in the last five minutes, and they showed no sign of stopping. This was too much. It was so good, but God, it was too much. I could barely wait for the murmuring to start up again before I spoke. I think I've got a bit of crime left in me, I breathed. Yeah. I hadn't turned back to face her yet. I felt the warmth of her body on my back as she inched slightly closer. My heart was fluttering at top speed. Sure. I mean, I've got to get it out of my system, right? For, uh, my recovery. Right. It'd be therapeutic. Oh, I definitely think it'd be that. I couldn't take it anymore. We were only 20 minutes into the remaining two hours of our day. At this rate, I wasn't even going to make it to the end of the group without dragging her off and throwing her against the nearest wall. Embarrassingly, Katra seemed to notice. Relax, princess, she whispered. You look like you're going to explode. Who lit the fuse in the first place? I thought. But I didn't say it. It'd be giving too much up. Instead, I took a deep breath and feigned nonchalance. I have no idea what you mean, I said, looking casually over my shoulder. Maybe you're the one who's projecting a little tension now. Wildcat. The effect was instantaneous. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw her blink rapidly a few times, exhaling noticeably. She seemed at a loss for words. I was back in control. Right on cue, DT cut us off with an enthusiastic wave of their hands. Excellent work, everyone. Now that we're all loosened up, it's time for the main event. Oh man. I'd forgotten that that was just the warm-up. It had certainly cranked up the heat. I had no idea how I was going to get through the rest of the exercise with her voice rattling around in my head. While I fought to keep my outward self as composed as possible, my internal self, the one who'd never done anything remotely like this before, was tearing itself to shreds with anticipation. I didn't know I could use words like this. I didn't know they could be used against me. We're gonna do a little exercise called Parla, they said, making sure to lean heavily into the Spanish accent. It's a little roleplay exercise that we can use to help us process some of our more prickly memories. With any luck, it may even help you view them in a different light. The sigh I released after that statement was much louder than I'd intended it to be. DT gave me another withering look, and I did my best to keep my eyes. Directed at the ceiling above. I swear, I hadn't meant to be rude, I just really didn't like prickly feelings. Or acting. Honestly, those might have been my two least favorite things combined, and I had enough going on right now as it was. Eventually, DT continued. I want everyone to think of a memory they'd like to see acted out in front of them. For a moment, DT dropped the performance and adopted a more traditionally therapeutic demeanor. Make sure it's something that isn't too triggering, we don't have a lot of time, and I don't want to leave anything unaddressed at the end of session. Ideally, you'd want to find an interaction difficult enough to provide a challenge, but also not so difficult that it completely overwhelms you. Okay, I told myself. Time to relax. 
I took a few deep breaths. I couldn't afford to let my libido get in the way of people's processing time, I needed to cool down. For this exercise, we're selecting a memory that involves a conflict with one or two other people. We might not be able to get to everyone today, but I'm hoping to have at least three separate scenes. Go ahead and think of your memory now. The room fell silent as we all pondered what I assumed were some of our darkest memories. I found myself with a completely blank slate, save for a few intrusive thoughts about Katra that I couldn't banish completely. I just didn't want to think about bad things right now. I didn't want to put my worst memories on a stage like some horrible form of entertainment. And if I was being totally honest, I wasn't sure if I could trust DT with that level of vulnerability in the first place. Something told me that being a therapist for downtrodden mental health patients hadn't been their first choice of career, or their second. So I sat there and pretended to think. I couldn't help but wonder what everyone else was thinking about. Especially Katra. My mind drifted to the scar on her shoulder, and the memories I knew she wouldn't share. Even though she was standing a few feet away, I had the strange feeling of missing her. After a moment, ST clears their throat. We all snapped out of our reverie. Okie dokie. Who'd like to be our first brave volunteer? Unsurprisingly, no one raised their hands. DT waited a moment, then sighed. In that case, you there. Never seen you before. What's your name? They were looking at Kyle. He blanched visibly. Oh, uh, Kyle. I just got here. Like, an hour ago. DT didn't seem to hear that last bit. Kyle. Perfect. How'd you like to step into the director's chair? By the look on his face, I suspected the answer was, not even a little bit. Uh, really? Right now? If you'd please. I watched him battle between his desperate desire to remain hidden, and his understandable reluctance to tell DT no. In the end, he relented, and shuffled nervously towards the front of the room. Bravo. DT said, giving him a brief round of applause. Kyle looked pretty terrified, my heart went out to him. This made my first group look like a walk in the park in comparison. I'll explain how this works as we go. First, would you mind telling us a little bit about the memory you selected? Kyle swallowed and cleared his throat. Well, it was a memory I had of my mom's. They're divorced now, but they used to fight all the time when I was a kid. DT nodded thoughtfully. I see. What kind of fights were these? Physical, or verbal? Verbal. Mostly just yelling and arguing. How did these arguments usually play out? DT asked. What was their dynamic like? Kyle shrugged. Kind of like arguments you see on TV, I guess. DT raised a brow. After a brief pause, Kyle continued. One of my moms, Amy, she never talked about her feelings. She would keep things bottled up a lot. And whenever my other mom, Amanda, would try to ask her what she needed, she'd shut down. So a lot of their arguments were like that. DT nodded. Perfect. Tell me, of our available castmates, who would you like to play the roles of Amy and Amanda, respectively?
Kyle locked eyes with me, and I realized, far too late, what was about to happen. Of the seven other clients in this room, Kyle was only familiar with two of them. I wonder who he was going to pick for the roles of his lesbian moms? A. Couple of strangers? Or the two girls he'd met already, who he'd almost certainly seen holding hands in the living room? I wish I hadn't been right. Adora, uh, do you want to play Amy? And Katra, can you be Amanda? Me and Katra shared a brief glance. She shrugged, as if she was resigned to our fate. Good for her, I was far less enthused. Even sober, my acting abilities weren't much to write home about. And that was without considering all that tension between U.S., which was almost certainly not the kind Kyle was looking for right now. But Katra started heading toward the front of the room, and eventually, not wanting to embarrass Kyle, I followed her. Excellent. I wasn't sure I liked the look in DT's eyes, they seemed way too thrilled with Kyle's casting decision. Katra, Adora, face each other, if you will. I obeyed. Katra lifted her brows suggestively. Hey, Amy. I rolled my eyes. Here's how this exercise works. Kyle, you're going to sculpt our actors until they're in poses that feel familiar to you in relation to the scene. Once they're set, go ahead and step back for a moment to observe your work. Catradora, they said, blending our names for what I prayed was convenience's sake alone, you two will hold the pose until Kyle is satisfied. Kyle looked about as nervous as I felt. I gave him a small, reassuring smile, trying to communicate as much enthusiasm as possible. He had enough to worry about without concerning himself with my comfort. Then, Kyle will say, Parla, and the two of you will come to life. You'll act out Kyle's memory, to the best of your ability, for about a minute or so. Once you've reached a natural stopping point, you can go ahead and freeze for a moment. Kyle will observe you in your poses once again, then say, break, when he's finished. And that's it. Easy peasy. It did not feel easy peasy, to me, but the time for complaining had come and gone. I just wanted to get this over with as fast as possible. The thought of getting through this without cluing everyone into my frustration was making my heart race. Kyle. Go ahead and sculpt our performers. Then, almost as an afterthought, DT added, with their consent, of course. Kyle swallowed nervously and glanced at the two of us. Katra, Adora, do you, uh, consent? We shared another quick glance. Yeah. Yup. Kyle nodded. Cool. I'm gonna, um, sculpt you now. I fought back the sudden, hysterical urge to laugh, before giving him a slight nod. He approached us cautiously, like he was afraid we might jump forward and scare him. After a few hesitant grabs at our arms, he switched me and Katra around so that she was on the left, pointed towards the kitchen, and I was facing the stairs. I wasn't sure why the positioning was relevant, but I didn't question things. Then, before I could even process what was happening, he put his hands on Katra's shoulders and shoved us very close together. We both froze like deer in headlights. I could feel myself turning pink. Katra's breathing was shallow, like she was afraid to let herself relax. I probably looked the same.
Uh, sorry about that, Kyle said sheepishly. Amanda has, personal space issues. DT was grinning like they'd received an unexpected gift. Sfine, I muttered. These people were trying to kill me. Are we good? I think so, Kyle said hesitantly. I guess I'll just, uh, watch you now. I couldn't have imagined a more awkward scenario if I'd written it myself. For thirty agonizing seconds, we stood there, trying our best to look threatening. She was standing close enough that I could almost feel her breath on my neck. Our height difference was pronounced at this distance. Her forehead was parallel to my lips, only a foot away. Do not make this horny. Under no circumstances can you make this trauma roleplay horny. Please, for the love of God, do not. Parla. We both blinked a few times as if to clear the days from our eyes. I didn't speak, no way I was starting this one out. Fortunately, after a moment of hesitation, Katra took the lead. Why won't you talk to me? I know something's up, Adair, uh, Amy, she corrected. A shaky start, but already, I could see her gaining confidence. Her brow furrowed in mock frustration. I, uh, I don't know what you're talking about, I babbled. Nothing's wrong. I'm fine. Sure you are. Just like the last time we had this conversation, right? She was settling in quickly. Her irritation looked much more genuine now. I, I was fine then, too. You're reading into things too much. Oh, so now you're gaslighting me, she asked, crossing her arms. I'm not crazy, Amy. I know when something's up with you, even if you refuse to admit it. Wow. She was good. It made me feel bolder. I don't want to talk about this right now, Amanda, I said, gesturing to Kyle. Our son is right there. Kyle's eyes were wide. I could only hope it was with artistic appreciation. You think I want to have this conversation now? She asked incredulously. Of course not. But you refuse to address it any other time. What choice do I have? You could choose to let this go. I could feel myself getting drawn into the scene. Katra's closeness, previously intoxicating, now felt suffocating. I could almost imagine I really was Kyle's mom, being cornered into an argument I wasn't ready to have. Let this go? Are you being serious right now? She stepped back just enough to run a hand through her hair in frustration. I can't, Amy. Maybe you can just, I don't know, shut everything down and pretend this isn't happening, but I can't. It's killing me. Killing our family. I rolled my eyes, and suddenly, it was like the exercise had ceased and I was Amy, defending myself from Amanda's full frontal assault. Well, I'm sorry, but there's not much I can do about that. I can't control your feelings. Only you can. Katra literally growled, pawing at her face in frustration. Ugh. Typical, Amy. Absolutely typical. God forbid I ask my own wife for a little open communication. I am communicating. You just want more than I can give. Katra got back in my personal space, I had to fight the urge to take a step back. She looked absolutely livid, 
and hurt. I guess we have a problem, then. Because I don't think I can survive much more of this. You're being melodramatic. And you're in denial. About what? I cried, throwing up my hands in frustration. Seriously, Amanda. What is it that I'm missing here? What's this massive, obvious thing I'm missing that we so badly need to address? There was a pause. Katra's eyes were wide. Then, dropping her voice to a murmur, she said, I think we both know exactly what that thing is. Amy. Oh. My breath stilled in my throat. The illusion shattered as if it had never been there at all. In its place were me and Katra. And we were close. Closer than we'd been when we started. I, I don't know what you mean, I stammered. Her eyes were fixed on my face. The colors seemed richer than I'd ever seen before. They were drowning me. Yes, you do, she said quietly. But if you don't tell me what you need, what you want, I can't help you. She glanced down, then, and looked up at me from beneath hooded eyes. So why don't you drop the act, Amy, and admit what this is really about? My thoughts were swallowed with all the rest of me. I opened my mouth, but no sound came. Katra waited. Nothing. Every cell of my body was overwhelmed by Katra, her warmth, her scent, the freckles dotting every inch of her body. I was overcome by the uncharacteristic urge to surrender everything I had to her. Let her take complete control, seizing me by the back of the neck and kissing me in broad daylight. Taking from me what I so badly wanted to give her. Electricity stormed around us, and through us, it would only take a single spark to set us both alight. The scene was over. Be break, Kyle whispered. At his command the tension dissipated in an instant, almost simultaneously, fear took its place. Katra and I took two giant steps backwards, but neither of us dared to look at the audience. We kept our eyes trained on each other. Afraid of what we might find if we looked. We'd gone too far. Anyone with a brain would know we'd gone too far. Here was this poor kid who was just trying to work through his trauma, and we'd turned it into, that. How in God's name were we going to get out of this? I looked for the answer in Katra's expression, but she seemed just as helpless as I was. Guess there was nothing to do but face the music. I closed my eyes exhaling. That was incredible. Kyle's eyes were wide with amazement. Tears trembled at the corners. I couldn't tell if he was starstruck or horrified. How'd you two even do that? I even didn't tell you that much, but you were spot on. I totally got lost in it. Katra's eyes darted quickly between me and Kyle, as if she was waiting for a catch. I just chuckled nervously. I, uh, I dunno. I guess I was just really invested. In the story, I mean. A look to my left revealed a 50-50 split between those who were suspicious about our little performance and those who seemed to be accepting it without hesitation. DT, in particular, seemed to understand exactly what was going on, their well-manicured eyebrows were resting so high on their face I feared they might just fly off. But I didn't really care. I was just glad I hadn't totally wrecked Kyle's reenactment with my, 
issues. Thanks so much, you guys, he said tearfully. I didn't think it would help much to see it played out like that, but it was super intense. In a good way. I breathed a sigh of relief. Katra still looked a bit confused, but when I smiled at her, she tentatively shrugged back. It's no problem. It was actually kind of fun. It was certainly fun to watch, DT drawled, their amusement obvious. Behind them, Bo and Glimmer seemed to be trying their best not to laugh. I met their eyes, and an understanding passed between us. Instead of being embarrassed, I just grinned even harder. Thanks. I turned to Katra. Nice work, Amanda. Slowly, a smile grew on her face. You too, Amy. We really should do this again sometime. Her eyes glittered as she spoke. I couldn't help but suspect it wasn't our acting session that she was referring to. We should, I said quietly. The old spark flickered inside me once again. DT began to ask Kyle some questions, but my mind had already wandered. By the time we stepped back into the crowd to watch the next performance, this one acted, quite reluctantly, by Hordak, and directed enthusiastically by his doppelganger, all of my earlier desire had come rushing back with a vengeance. I could barely even look at Katra without getting struck by another wave. I'd never felt so out of control before, not in a good way, at least. We should do this again sometime. I had a feeling we just might. Dinner was a pretty torturous affair. While my groupmates shoveled mashed potatoes into their mouths, and let Kyle in on some of the house's inside jokes, I was at war with myself. With every swell of desire for Katra came an equally powerful wave of anxiety, specifically when I thought about what, if anything, was going to happen once the two of us were upstairs alone. Thinking about it, even talking about it, had been all well and good, but now there was a possibility that something might actually happen, and my brain was being torn apart by anticipation and terror. Who was that person who'd said all those things during the warm-up? Was it me? Because if so, I could hardly believe my audacity. Skipping straight from near-total inexperience to having an explosive hookup with your best friend seemed a bit extreme, now that I thought about it. And I wanted to. Words cannot express how much I wanted to. But another part of me kind of wanted to run away screaming. And as the minutes flew by and dinner drew to a close, it was becoming increasingly unclear which side would prevail. Katra's emotions, as usual, were hard to get a read on. She was definitely quieter than normal. It didn't seem to be in a sullen way, but something was clearly on her mind. And from the way I'd catch her looking at me sometimes when she thought I wasn't paying attention, I was pretty sure something was related to me. So the battle continued, right up until the time Perfuma dismissed us from the table, and we were free to do as we pleased. Katra and I met at the sink. We stood in what otherwise would have been companionable silence, washing our dishes and setting them out to dry in the rack. But it didn't feel particularly easygoing. It was as if this afternoon had opened up a gaping hole in the deepest parts of me that would never truly be satiated until I could feel her body on mine again. It seemed absurd to me, now, that I'd managed to make it six whole days without succumbing to this pull. So as much as it terrified me, I needed something to happen. I might genuinely fall apart otherwise. 
I had resigned myself to this as we finished washing up. This was Catro we were talking about. Whatever anxieties I had, I couldn't let them get in the way of, whatever we were. I couldn't ruin things again. And I wasn't intending to. But my hopes, and fears, were dashed before I'd had a chance to find out for myself. As I meandered down the hallway towards my room, my heart racing quietly in my chest, I paused. Mara was there, with Raz, of all people. The latter was holding what looked to be a hefty serving of mashed potatoes and turkey wrapped in tin foil. The two seemed to be engaged in a lively conversation. I'm fine, Raz. Bah. Fine, Schmine. You can't fool this old lady. I know how you get when you're hungry, Adora. It's Mara, Raz. And I'll take it, but you don't need to worry about me. I've been eating plenty. That hasn't been a problem for Dash. Just then, Mara saw me standing there. Her eyes widened. Hey, Adora. There was a slight blush in her cheeks. Her eyes focused on something behind me. Hey, Katra. Ready for session? I turned. Sure enough, Katra had been behind me the whole time, dead quiet, she'd followed me. I got a slight head rush when I thought of why that might be. Unfortunately, that rush dispelled quickly when I processed what Mara had just said. What do you mean? Kara asked. She sounded as confused as I felt. I turned back to see Mara standing alone, Raz had vanished. I blinked. That never ceased to terrify me. Mara didn't seem perturbed in the slightest. She just raised her brows. Your session? We had to schedule it for later in the day, remember? Realization dawned on Katra's face. Right. Night therapy. Forgot about that. Relief and disappointment flooded my system simultaneously. Looked like I was getting the room to myself for a while, after all. Whatever feelings that brought up, at least I could finally relax. And night planning, Mara added. We were going to do your exit counseling right after. I whipped my head towards Katra. Exit counseling? You aren't leaving, are you? There was an undeniable note of panic in my voice. Katra grinned. Dude, relax. Everyone does it on their third week. It's standard. She shrugged. Pretty sure the scholarship only has a week left anyways, though. So you might want to start grieving now. Oh, I said quietly. I couldn't conceal my disappointment, and I could tell Mara noticed. Her eyes flicked between us a few times, like she was making silent mental calculations. It didn't sit well with me. Katra's eyes softened for a moment. Adora. She lifted her hand to my shoulder and squeezed it, brief and platonic. Relax. You couldn't get rid of me if you tried. Then, her cocky expression returned. And don't worry. You're probably getting axed right after me. We won't be apart for long. I rolled my eyes, even as the sick feeling in my stomach faded. How sweet. She just shrugged, as if to say, you know me. I kept forgetting she wanted to keep seeing me after this. 
it made me feel like I was walking on air. Mara had been observing all this in silence, I had the uncomfortable feeling I'd played my hand a bit too obviously. But there was no turning back now. So I just rolled my eyes again, and muttered, go fix your brain, dummy. She smiled. We locked eyes, and an understanding passed between us. Whatever we'd been planning for tonight, and truly, I had no idea, was on hold for the time being. Guess all this edging had been for nothing. Okay, Katra said finally. After you, Dr. Mara. I'm not a doctor. Not with that attitude. In lieu of a response, Mara just started walking. I could have sworn I saw her roll her eyes, but it was too quick to tell. Everyone else was still busy cleaning up their mess in the kitchen. Even Seahawk was distracted, having stepped outside for a moment to take a phone call. The two of us were alone. For a moment, panic flared within me. Katra seemed nervous as well. All of our latent tension from the week before had come bubbling to the surface again. As exciting as it was, I wasn't quite sure how to interact with her in this new dynamic. Maybe she was wondering the exact same thing. But then she looked into my eyes, and whatever she saw there made hers darken, just a little. A thrill ran down my spine. I'm cashing in my favor, Katra said. She was using the new voice again, the one that made me feel like I was being submerged in something molten. Already? I asked, trying for a laugh. Must be important. I think it is. She snuck a quick look over our shoulders to see if the coast was clear. Then, casual as ever, she placed her hand on my hip and leaned over, until her lips hovered directly over my ear. Go take a shower, Adora. My breath froze in my lungs. A long one. For me. I didn't say anything. I couldn't. Every single one of my brain cells was committing suicide at the exact same moment. All I could do was stand there and pray she didn't notice the long, slow tremor passing through my entire body. Think you can do that, she murmured, her breath warm on my skin. I felt her hand slide, almost imperceptibly, beneath my shirt, brushing the bare skin of my waist. I leaned into it without thought, and felt her broaden her touch. She was pushing it. Someone was going to look any second now, and when they did, would have zero wholesome explanation for what we were doing. I knew that. But I wasn't sure that I cared. Yeah, I said dumbly. My mouth was dry, I swallowed, to little effect. Yeah, Katra. I can do that. I could almost feel her smiling. Bo and Glimmer were coming around the corner. My heart was about to explode from nerves. Good girl. Then, so subtly I wondered if I had imagined it, she licked a gentle kiss into my upper ear. She was gone. She headed up the stairs without looking back, and left me standing there, bleeding and burning and disintegrating right into the carpet while I watched her go. I waited. I kept perfectly still, until the sound of her footsteps had receded into the din of the house. Then I followed. The hallway was empty when I ascended the stairs. There were zero thoughts in my head. I considered nothing. I just walked. Entered my room, closing the door behind me. 
I took three seconds to linger in the silence of the room, totally empty for the first time in days. I listened to the blood pound in my ears. Without bothering to grab a change of clothes first, I walked towards the bathroom and shut the door behind me with a gentle click. Then, I did exactly what I was told. I'd been asleep for a while when Katra finally came back into the room. I have no idea what time it was. It couldn't have been too late, Mara wouldn't keep her that long. But my entire sense of the day was off. I'd fallen asleep pretty much as soon as I'd finished my shower. Because of the long, strenuous day of emotional processing I'd had. And no other reason. Obviously. Anyways. I woke to the sound of the door clicking back into place. Katra was pretty light on her feet when she wanted to be, I didn't realize she was moving until I heard the bed creak under her weight. She didn't get under the covers right away. She just laid there. When I risked a quick peek at her, I saw that she was staring blankly at the wall in front of her. Something was up. From my limited perspective, it seemed like she was worrying herself into a state of paralysis. I knew all too well what that looked like. Can I ask you something? I guess I hadn't been as slick as I'd thought. Dropping the act, I opened my eyes completely and blinked until the blurriness cleared. Katra was staring at me. The look in her eyes was almost, wounded. It startled me. Of course. I said immediately. I propped myself up on my elbow, stifling a yawn. Anything. Katra curled onto her side as well, mirroring me. She was quiet for a moment. Just looking at me. I waited. When she spoke, it was with a voice so soft I could barely hear it. If I'm making things harder for you, like, making your recovery harder, you'd tell me, right? I smiled. I couldn't help it, the idea seemed absurd to me. You aren't. Of course you aren't. You never have. She looked so sad. But if I was, you'd tell me, right? Even if you thought I didn't want to hear it. Especially then. My brow furrowed slightly. I mean, yeah. Obviously. But I don't understand. What makes you think that? She squeezed her eyes tight. Just, promise me, Adora. Promise me that if it comes down to a choice between me and your health, you'll cut me loose. No questions asked. Katra, why are you dash? Please. Her eyes were abnormally bright. I just need to hear you say it. So many questions were running through my brain, but I held them all back. If reassurance was what she needed to feel better, right now, I could give her that. I, I promise. I promise I'll let you go. But as I said it, I heard a sneaky little voice whisper in my ear. Never. I pretended not to hear it. Katra relaxed visibly. Suddenly, she looked like she'd been carrying the world on her shoulders, and only just dropped it. Okay. Thanks, Adora. Sorry, for like, being weird. You don't have to apologize. But obviously, the same goes for you. You know that, right? Katra shrugged. That won't be an issue, she mumbled. 
Her eyes were already beginning to close. I threw a pillow at her head. Ow, hey, she exclaimed. She grabbed it and chucked it right back, full force. What the hell was that for? You can't force me to make some dumb promise I don't need and then refuse to make one back. I laughed. Say it. I'll do it again. Katra groaned. Fine. I'll cut you loose, or whatever. Pinky promise. I raised my brows. Pinky promise? That's a pretty serious commitment. You sure you've got what it takes? She just scoffed. Get over here, loser. I complied. I slipped off my covers, kneeled down at the side of her bed and lifted my hands solemnly. Her closeness made my heart flutter, even now. Without a word, she laced her pinky through mine and squeezed. We looked at each other for a moment. My heart ached for her, I wish I knew what had prompted this. But I didn't ask. I just held her pinky, and hoped that would be enough. Eventually, she loosened her grip, I stood to head back to my bed. For all the moves, I'd been planning in my head these past few days, none of them seemed appropriate now. I just wanted her to be okay. Maybe get some sleep. Then, in a gesture so sudden I could barely even process it, she sat up, pulled me towards her, and planted a clumsy kiss onto my cheek before flipping over and turning her back to me in bed. I stood there for a moment, completely dumbfounded. A big, stupid grin started spreading across my face. You're really just gonna leave me with that? I giggled. To my relief, I heard her giggle back, muffled slightly by her pillow. Yeah. I am. Fondness melted through me from the inside out. Without saying anything, I reached for her hand, which she'd tucked against her side. She let me take it, even as she continued to face the back wall. I sat on the edge of her bed, lifted her hand to my mouth, and pressed a gentle kiss into the center of her palm. I couldn't linger long. If I allowed this to continue, even for a second, I wouldn't be able to stop. And that probably wasn't what Katra needed right now. So I let my lips touch her skin for a moment, one single, precious moment, and then withdrew, standing from the side of the bed as quietly as I could. Good night, wildcat. I climbed into my bed and snuggled under the covers. Then, right before I was about to turn off the bedside lamp, I heard her mumble a response. Hey, princess. Yeah? She paused for a moment. How was your shower? I exhaled a laugh as my face warmed even more. I was suddenly grateful she was facing the side wall. Long. She made a satisfied noise in the back of her throat. I could hear her smile. Good night, Adora. I grinned. Then I reached over without another word, my heart aching for things I couldn't say aloud, and clicked off the light.